1: Hello campers. Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood Shay Keats.
0: And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yerge. And we are joined by no guests.
1: No guests. We are joined by zero guests today because campers, you are in for a treat. A treat beyond all treats, especially if you are a more recent listener. Maddie, what's happening today? We're going to run through some of
0: our favorite clips. Definitely not an all-encompassing list, but it is our one-year anniversary, give or take, a few weeks. Maddie. Which is crazy. Congratulations. Congratulations to you, too. I feel like so much has happened. A year ago, you still lived in New York. I did. You know, just giving some personal life updates. Yeah. Now you live in Portland. You have your office Uh in your new home. I do. I do. You have launched your business. Would you like to plug it for all of our new listeners and tell them what you do for a living?
1: Listeners. I, I do many things, but I officially launched my business, which is a uh, strategic business coaching. Uh, but also by business, I sometimes mean the business of life. So if you're having a professional problem that you could use some, you know, strategic strategy to work through, uh, check out my website. It's really creatively named at shakeheats.com. Um, and you can also check out my Insta, the handle, which currently is, also very creative at slk622 however i am taking um suggestions for a new handle on my instagram uh which kelsey and maddie uh, kelsey will be hearing a reminder from later in the episode uh both think i should just change it to shake Keats. but i want to be cooler than that so i'm taking yeah. suggestions
0: the good thing too you know, if you just search on Instagram for Shay Keats, you're the first one that comes up. So if people don't remember the handle, that's also cool too. And oh, that's cool. So you don't I look even
1: pretty ha- cool in that photo too.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Sarah, who we will also be hearing from later in this episode for oh, being yeah.
1: the official camp adulthood photographer. We love you, Sarah. Although actually, my photograph on my Insta is not the one that Sarah took anymore. Oh, really? Oh, scratch that. It's, well, you is that was on my professional, and now it's on I your perch- website. It is on my website, yeah. so you'll see it on the website. But if you look at my Uh, per my Insta, it's me in San Diego on a balcony. It's very cool. That's
0: very very fancy. Um, yes, people should definitely check that out. From my side, I got a new job this year. Last this time Mm -hmm. last year, I was like
1: very proud of Maddie.
0: Please get me out of here, help, SOS. Mm -hmm. And now I'm living the millennial dream at a meal kit company.
1: And it's pretty awesome. And your uh Corey has officially become your live in. Oh yeah,
0: I think. He's been here for the majority, because he got here last July, so it was, like, maybe a month or so after we had started doing it, Mm -hmm. Um, but he was one of the first guests, definitely an honorable mention from the year, Mm -hmm. Um, so we can mention that. Do you have any other, besides the ones that we're featuring today, do you have any other special moments or special shout-outs, honorable mentions?
1: It's really hard to choose, Um, despite the seven that we're featuring. um, I really, uh, one of my personal favorite episodes when we talked with KP. I really enjoyed that episode about being a military wife. Definitely, Um, Krista's uh, teen diaries always. I love that one. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. Mhm, and I really liked uh, your friend Christians because. We have to invite everyone on our show has to be named Chris, Christian, or Kristen. It's true. uh, Yeah. Christian. Or Jennifer. Or Jennifer, pretty much. Um, So that was good. And of course, you know, I loved, uh, you know, shout out to all of the people that Maddie has pulled from the New York comedy scene who have uh, delighted us with their talents uh, when they are way, way cooler than us, like the delightful uh, Mike Coscarelli. Uh, I don't know if he's cooler than us, but yeah what I don't know if he's cooler than us <laughs> trying to be nice we love so you Mike <laughs> you to do nice things for us <laughs> but we love you. Uh, he definitely connected us to some cool people and he is a cool person himself um and he did not make fun of us like little podcast girls in your bedroom when he showed oh. up which was very nice
0: yeah well I definitely want to give just a thank you to everyone that's come on I know especially at the beginning that was one of the noteworthy things you know from me pulling a lot of these clips and editing them together and stuff like the the quality has gone up so much both in content and um sound quality and I want to thank producer Jenny for setting us up at the beginning and you know telling us when we literally knew nothing what equipment to get and um editing the episodes and everything so thanks to her she's amazing um but definitely over time, you know, we've gotten better at recording, which makes the editing easier, and it's just gotten so much better. So, thank you to those guests that, you know, came on when, you know, those first guests like Hannah and Katie, when we had zero listeners because we hadn't even released an episode yet. And, um, you know, Katie has us featured on her website, and that definitely helps a lot. So, I want to thank especially the earlier guests, but everyone that's come on—it's been delightful to have those of you that have come to my
1: bedroom, the professional recording studio. It's been great. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Maddie, what has been your personal like favorite thing or biggest takeaway from our year of podcast recording?
0: Oh gosh, well, there's a lot of things. I mean, outside of just talking to people, which you know, if you're a new fan of the podcast you should go back and listen to all the episodes but um you know outside of just talking to people and learning about their lives and getting insights that way I think just how nice people are and how Mm -hmm. accessible they are like I know she would laugh at this but Andrea who's one of our more recent guests um Andrea Allen she's a comedian in the comedy scene like I love her and she is like a famous person in my mind and I have seen her comedy in New York and her podcast is um, very popular. And as you, you know, heard in her episode, she makes all of her money from comedy and doing podcasting full time. And she's very successful. And I basically just DM would her on Instagram and I was like, hey, I met you at a show one time nine months ago. Do you remember me? And she was like, actually, yeah. And then I realized she followed me when I followed her on Instagram the first time she had followed me back. So she had been looking uh, at all the stuff from the podcast, and she was like, yeah, totally, I remember you. You're you you know, you're friends with Mike, and you know Dino and Rob, like other guests of the pod and stuff. And so she had been, you know, not in any sort of professional sense, but because she follows me on Instagram, she had kind of seen the podcast. And, you know, I think she goes out of her way to especially help women that are starting out, and she knows what it's like to start a podcast and how hard it is. So just people like that, you know, realizing that if you put yourself out there you might not get rejected as much as you think and we've been able to get guests that way and even people in my personal life who aren't famous who I thought wouldn't agree or who wouldn't be excited to be on the podcast were like yeah totally I'm down you can use my first and last name like whatever um which is really great like people are a lot more open than I thought they would be and a lot more helpful yeah
1: what about you Shay Well, I have to say, and this is may turn into a cheesy, I love Maddie soliloquy, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on with it. Um, So I, you know, I feel like over the years with a lot of different friends, I've like hatched various schemes, right? Like I'm going to start this business or do this project or do this thing. And it's never happened. And I've either done the thing by myself or it's kind of died on the vine, so the fact that we hatched this idea, and even though it took us a couple of years to kind of bring it to fruition, um, I'm going to really try hard to say this and not like cry, because it means oh so much to me. Do it. I love I know, it. It's when... um, but the, the fact that we've been able to do this and had, you know, a modicum of success with it has just really, and the success is regardless, because just even if we did it and had one listener, I would be so just psyched. And it's just so amazing to have you as a partner in this adventure and you do probably listeners hot gossip from the camp adulthood desk, but Maddie does most of our editing and production work now and I just come on and give my talents and offer opinions. Um, <laughs> Shea is the I, talent. She waltzes I, in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I waltz it. I know. I'm such an asshole. Uh, but uh, I, I just am so grateful to you and um, so, yeah, thankful for no. for you. So, well,
0: I definitely yeah. have those feelings, Zach. I'm happy to do it. And, you know, I'm happy, especially given, you know, you moving and everything. I think I've definitely talked to a lot of people about it. And they were, you know, people with podcasts and stuff like that. And they were like, yeah, if my co-host moved, like, I would just stop doing it. Because um, mm-hmm. it is so difficult. But it really isn't, honestly. The Skype is, like, super yeah. easy. Um, but just, like, giving getting over that hurdle and... You know, we had only been doing it for such a short period of time when you moved, and we had been thinking mm-hmm. about it for so long. And I find it very fun. It's a fun hobby. It's a fun I agree. thing to do. It's a good way to connect with people and to get, you know, interesting people to talk to you and to reconnect with friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been quite the pleasure on my end as well.
2: Yeah. All
1: Excellent. right. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, well, should we dive
0: in? Thank you guys. We will, we have. Six slash seven because two of them are kind of combined into one um clips and obviously like we said before this is not all encompassing so if you're a past guest and your clip is not on here it doesn't mean we don't love you Um honestly this all was super difficult deserve
1: yeah honestly
0: there were none where I was like oh this was like a terrible episode and I can't pick this one like all of them I was like oh my god I could go so many different ways with this I could choose funny clips we could go with the most insightful clips we could go with you know people that are close to us we could go with you know quasi famous people like there's just so many different things so we tried to pick a good mix um but
1: again just a thank you and hope you enjoy yeah and if you enjoy these clips uh please go back and listen to the episode in full um and stay tuned because we've got more episodes coming your way so hopefully we'll be back here celebrating 100 episodes this time next year so, this first clip, uh this is uh from Elliot. He was episode number 5, uh which I believe I forget what we entitled that one. Um I think I it was I...
0: uh Man of the World.
1: Man of the World. Let's see. Yes. Yes. Uh but Elliot No, Renaissance is a, man. Renaissance man. Renaissance man, man. and Very we called fitting. him Renaissance man because he is a teacher and a poet. And a romantic, truly, truly one of the most hopeless romantics I've ever met, and just incredibly charming and charismatic. Um, So, this clip that we have a little bit about dating and um, some spontaneous slam poetry and some written poetry
0: as well. Yes, exactly. Very
3: delightful. My friends reminded me of a story last night where I was coming, I was, you know, had partied really hard earlier in the evening and was a. I I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but I like went to go bum a cigarette from a person on the street, and it was this like 50 year old lady, you know, kind of beautiful, a little sad, and we ended up having this conversation that she, you know, she hadn't, no one had kissed her in ten years, right? And That's I just like re- reached over and made out with her, and right then my whole group of friends like, like walked up. <laughs> like,
0: what is going no on?
3: I'm like no idea.
0: That's amazing. So, so um. That is amazing. Yeah,
3: so that's that's kind of. Did you ever?
0: Was it just like that was the one direction I, I, you didn't follow
3: up or? I don't think. Anything? I, I don't. I, didn't, I just. It was just like one of those things that you know my drunk self that's was nice like.
0: So. Yeah. It's strange. That's, a nice thing.
3: that's strange. Um, but I guess I guess similarly, you know, so I was on this date and. So she was like, "I'm hungry," and I was like, "Okay, we'll go get food." And, and you're and, like,
1: "How do you feel about McDonald's?"
3: She, no, I mean, like we went to like a nice, you know, it's get a like a nice burger. Guy. Yeah,
1: but it was. Burger.
3: She basically was like, you're not ready to commit with me, so we're not going any further. Why is
1: anyone talking about committing and on was the just first
4: date? Like, this it is, is why, why I very, can't. This it is was, why
3: I'm like a very It was just a very strange interaction in which the projections of what you're supposed to do on a date were kind of just undercut for this like superficial, either you're going to commit, like we're, we're either doing this or not. And I just miss misread the stop signs along the way and I guess really what was wanting to happen is I think maybe this girl just like wanted a nice hookup Without any, like, without too much, whether to sleep together or not, just like a nice human interaction. Sure. And I just misread it every cue, <laughs> right? Could not have possibly misread this oh. worse. So it was like very awkward. She like yelled at me at the end of the date. She's oh, like, You're not gonna get me an rude. Uber. You're not gonna get me an Uber home. And I was like, No. I've paid for the drinks and the food. Like, your only responsibility is to like get here and get home. <laughs> cool. And she did not like that. So- I've
0: like never had a guy pay for my Uber. Maybe
1: I had one. T- I mean, if I like, if it's a one night stand and you're leaving, the guy should pay for your Uber. Well,
0: then I should have had many Uber <laughs> that
1: were not paid for. Thank you very much.
0: Um, for the record,
3: I guess my question for you guys is, you know, what are the expectations then for these kind of interactions? Right? Like, I as a guy just never know, and I'm just yeah. vaguely trying to figure out what the parameters. People are setting up from.
0: I I mean, I I know girls that like do have like very set standards where they're like, I won't go on a second date with a guy if he doesn't pay something arbitrary like that. Right? And I I always think it's nice. And I think part of like whatever you want to call it, like dating, like the courting, Mm -hmm. like the weird social dance, like part of it is being like, I'm not a trash human, I have a job. I'm not, like, a deadbeat human. And, like, part of that is, like, paying for things. And the flip side of that is, like, I think naturally, like, if you're going on multiple dates with people, like, it ends up evening out. Mm. Like, if someone... Like, if I am, like, oh, I really want to go to this comedy club, like, I'm going to get two tickets and then you can meet me there. And then, like, the guy ends up getting the drinks because I bought the ticket. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you demand things, then that just means you're... It's just weird to me. But I think it ends up evening out. So on the first date, like, yeah, if a guy wants... To buy drinks, that's yeah. fine. But I is, don't think there's any, like, I don't have any expectations.
1: No, but it's also a little bit about the dance, I think. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so if mm-hmm. I go out with a guy, like, I'm never not going to pretend that I'm going to pay for at least my half, if not the whole thing.
3: The check dance.
1: The check dance. <laughs> and you have to, like, play <laughs> oh, yeah, it. did, like, an actual dance. <laughs> it was it. very nice. Like, so you have to be aware of, of that, but, I mean, it is kind of subtle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, if I say, oh, I'll pay, or I'll, let's split it. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Then I'm a little, like, put off. Not that I necessarily expect them to pay for it, but I want them to be like, no, no. And then I want to say, oh, no, I insist. And then they say, okay. And I'm like, okay, great. And then right. I would totally go out with them. Like, there are a lot of girls. And you have to understand, Elliot, that Maddie and I are probably the two most, like, reasonable Daters, I we're, think, pretty we're pretty chill. But yeah, so.
0: I think there are a lot of girls like the one you went out with that yeah. are like have the expectation. I just of paying.
3: I just wish I knew. I guess this is why I'd much rather it would be introduced to someone through a friend yes. is because you and, have a reference yeah. point. Right. Yeah, so
0: if you're like, this person is acting
1: weird.
3: Right. You know, and I think the other thing that happens is, you know, to go through, oh, I'm a teacher. Oh, I've lived abroad. Oh, I'm a poet. Like, that's so overwhelming amount of information. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a good friend that she always says, like, tell them one thing. Yeah. Like, you get one talking point for an evening. You are a teacher. And that's your conversation And the second date is you write and the third date is you've lived somewhere or whatever order yeah. you want to do it that in that's
5: interesting yeah. because
3: and this is this whole idea of like gradually introducing mm-hmm. going from a three to a seven right and that's I guess because to meet a stranger is the coolest part is you get to learn all these things about a someone mm-hmm. but at the same point at one point you're just monologuing Right At one point are you just soliloquying your story to try and get someone to like you.
1: Well, and that's really, internet listeners, I'm an old curmudgeonly spinster and I don't date and this is why. And it's partly goes to what Elliot was saying earlier about I'm at a a point in my life when I want to spend time with people, I want to spend time with people that I care about and blah, blah, blah. And God, I fucking hate first dates and I hate telling this, you know, Curated story that's basically a fiction By the time I like You know get to, and It's just so fake And I'm like and then you go on I think the average I've heard for people who are successful In internet dating if you're judging success By like a long term monogamous Relationship coming out of it Is you have to go on 50 to 70 first dates I would rather Eat the cockroach That the dog was eating earlier right. Like I'm not even kidding Um and, that, and I'm a person who likes meeting new people. Like, I, I don't know, but I think it's also what you're saying is kind of sad because, you know, Elliot, I've known you for many years now. And, like, one of the things that's really special and charming about you is that you are the super passionate person. So I feel bad kind of for those girls who are like, ugh, I don't want to – I don't want to
0: – But then it's stuff. also, like, if they do that on a first date, wouldn't you rather that happen on a first date than, like, a sixth date? Yes.
3: Mm. Oh, yeah. I would assume. I always think, you know, the fact – You know, I've had multiple long-term relationships. And the fact that we didn't work is just the fact, I think it, I'm saying the fact very often, but it's just that I've saved myself from divorces, right? You know, to be in a three-year relationship and have it end is really saying, we could have gotten married, but the problems that we had would have eventually ruined us. So I'm glad.
6: Mm -hmm.
3: My dad always tells me he's good about this because he didn't get married until much, much later. 37 he says the best person the best thing a person can do for you is give you your time right the best thing you can do for yourself is know when to how and when to use your time so if a person's giving you red flags you don't need to spend time with yeah. them you know if a person isn't treating you right you don't need to be with them you know if if there's things that you don't think you can fix then get out right, right. he tells I he tells a famous story of uh he was picking a girl up from a date he rode the elevator up he knocked on the door the mom let him in and the girl is yelling at her mother like ah. screaming at her mother from the other room and the mother's super embarrassed and the very beautiful girl and she gets ready and they get to the elevator and he's sitting in the elevator they're going down and he's like if she talks to her mom like that how is she going to talk to me and he gets out and he goes like this, like puts his hand out and says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go out with you. And she goes, what? Why? And he goes, because the way you talked to your mom was so ridiculous. And he hits the elevator button and steps out. And it's like, think, like that takes balls. That takes yeah. a confidence and an understanding. And I guess being single for a long time to, <laughs> to be able to kind of have that recognition. And I guess so for these girls that, you know, I obviously kind of blew out of the water with the intensity. But at least they know what they want. Right? I don't always yeah. see it as a negative. You're it. talking
0: right now, too, like, the stories that you've been telling are, like, the girls be like, pushing away, like, not leaning in after a while. But I'm sure there's a lot of girls that you've dated where you were the one that was like, whoa, I'm moving away from this. Like, it, it goes both ways. Absolutely.
3: Honestly. I just think, I just don't, I don't, I want to make sure that I'm not demonizing or, like, framing the kind of interactions that you have. Because, honestly, most of these people were wonderful people. Right? I think that that's the hardest part. And that's like these these crazy gender roles that we get stuck in, right? Like the hardest part is knowing that you could be a wonderful person if the timing was different, if there were three more drinks, if it was a better bar, if it was not as loud, if it wasn't a two, like whatever the circumstances are, this obviously could have worked because you can, I have a big belief, you can be with most people. I'm sure there
1: are some actual trash humans. Though. Oh, of course there's. Yeah, many. but I agree. With, this is something that I've said for a very long time. Like, when I'm pondering my own singleness, I'm like, I don't understand because, like, I get along with pretty much everybody. Like, I like people. I'm a nice person. I think people like me. Maybe you guys both hate me. I don't know. Um, So why, then, is it so hard when I agree? Pretty much everybody should be able to get along with everybody, yeah. you know? I think
0: part of it, and you told me this before, and, Elliot, you can tell me if you agree, that especially men, and I don't know why it is this way, and maybe it's with women, too. It's just not as obvious but like people like make a choice mm. where they're like i'm gonna be single and kind of just like do whatever and like flit around and then they're like hits a certain point and they're like i'm looking for something serious whoever is like one of the options quote unquote like when that window is available is the person that's the gonna be chosen to the right it's like even if you're compatible and sometimes it's with the same person like you might kind of Be like friends with someone, or like know someone through dating, and you could be like going along, and then all of a sudden they're like, "All right, I'm ready for this," either consciously or subconsciously, and then you're there. Like I totally think that that's a thing that happens. Yeah, that's really interesting.
3: I think that other thing is like you, you know, we really want that spark too. You want that electricity. You want that, and that's so hard to like curate at the right time. Like, I think of all the people that I've had the most intense relationships were probably when I was the least available. And I wish I had been available because I would have had very healthy, probably, relationships with these people. But I wasn't in a headspace where I was willing to commit or was, you know, had had things in the way that kept me from being in really healthy, awesome relationships because I was an idiot. Right? Like, that... The Men are sp- idiots. Oh, I mean takeaway yes all of us I think uh, just to be stereotypical and awful I think men are stupid because we ignore what's right in front of us and women can be crazy because they make connections where they may or may oh not my god. be there Elliot
1: you said this to me I actually wrote it down many many years ago to Allison and I and I was just like Elliot knows the secret to the universe um, and I have I'm looking it up because you said it however you said it that day I was just like oh my god
3: I'm gonna see if I, can I think that's you. so true. Like, my friends, especially ones in relationships, like they can know something is wrong. They're just like, la
1: la 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 yes. la. Like, um, this, we'll get over think this. I it's 2013. 2013.
3: Yeah, women are crazy because they see connections where there are one, and men are idiots because they don't see the connections that are there. Oh,
1: that is Elliot's. I do like that. Genius. So, I loved this episode. Uh, this was 33, you said?
0: Um, Kelsey was 31 and Chris and Christian were 45.
1: Okay. Sorry. So episodes 31 and episodes 30, 45. 45, Anyway, sorry. I suck at this. Um, but so this was with my little cousin, Kelsey, who's 12 and then a clip with her mom and I'm going to say stepdad for ease of communication uh, who are gen xers so kelsey they just give a really great kind of bookend uh to the millennial generation and they are both like funny as heck are they all three of them are funny as heck and yes. i say.
0: kelsey people loved her episode and for being 12 she's super well spoken and not annoying mm-hmm. <laughs> which i think is a feat yeah. in of itself um and it was just interesting i thought how we talked a lot about the same themes obviously i mean it was an interview and we were asking them similar questions but um just kind of hearing about technology and raising gen z kids which is super zeitgeisty right now um to hear it kind of separately which i think you know i don't know if we would have gotten the same answers had it been all three of them in the same room so i think it's interesting to kind of see it you know side by side hopefully they find it interesting
1: yeah. And um, we didn't include this in the clip that we're using, but if you do go back and listen to Kelsey's full episode, she talks about all of like the drama in the sixth grade slime oh, yeah. monopoly, uh, slime selling monopoly. And she tells a story about a girl I believe she called quote unquote Alice. Um, and how Alice totally like undercut her on this deal with some bad slime and it was like super (laughs) exciting so you should all go back and listen to that but I wanted to give the update that let me know Kelsey and Alice have mended the fences and are now like besties but I tell her to watch out for her because anybody that's going to undercut you in a business deal is not going to be a good friend
0: yeah especially when it's like four dollar thing of slime like what like who does that (laughs) yeah I don't know middle school girls it's a weird time That's all I really have to say about that. Um, But again, Kelsey is episode 31 and Chris and Christian are episode 45. So definitely go back and check those out.
1: You guys, as a generation, you're spending a lot of time on the Internet. So what is it like when you hang out with your friends?
7: What do you Um, guys do? I'll be completely honest. Most of it is spent on our phones and the slime. I, um, there have been a lot of times like with my friends when I'd go swimming and do a lot of fun stuff with them that had nothing to do with slime or phones or all that stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, last sleepover that I have was with my friend that I haven't seen in a while. She was my really good friend. I've known her since first grade, I think. And, um, she, I was super happy to see her, and we went to a water park, and we kept our phones in the locker, and we just went swimming, and it was a lot of fun, and, but there have been other times where I'm hanging out with some of my friends, and we go on our phones, we Instagram, we Snapchat. There have been, I think there have been a few times where I barely even talk with my friends, Mm. and it's just, like, going on Instagram or doing something that has nothing to do with, like, something that we were doing. Like, we would be, let's see. I think we would just be at my house and – or at their house and wouldn't be doing anything. So, Maddie,
1: what do you remember about hanging out with your friends when you were 12?
0: Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I think – um we've talked about this in previous episodes, I think always the new technology people want to use. I don't necessarily think it's a negative if you're doing something together, you know, Mm -hmm. like I know oftentimes, you know, it might be more of a male activity than female just as a general stereotype, but like playing video games can, you know, that's a super technological thing, but Mm -hmm. it can be very interactive and can form these community bonds and stuff like that. So I think that happens. And I think a lot of that is happening on the phones. There's a lot of like, games and stuff like that um but i remember like when i was 12 i would go to my one friend's house and we would either like go online to like aol and like i am our friends or like i am the bots that was like the big thing um to like have like chat rooms with all of your friends um or we would do like which now that i think back to this i'm like this is probably like the pre like youtube like beauty Vlogger things but like when I was in middle school we would like do each other's hair and then like take photos of it or like do each other's makeup just like as a fun thing like we weren't going anywhere so like we would do that again it's like an interactive thing um so we would do a lot of that I mean I don't know I had like a lot of friends that I danced with and stuff like that so when I was dancing a lot like we weren't necessarily hanging out or mm-hmm. you know just lounging but we were having a good time together um but I think it was a lot of that. I don't know. We, I would, we would ride bikes and stuff. I feel like normal kid stuff still happens today that we
1: did, you know. But I think one thing that's really interesting that – and maybe I was just an immature kid, but it seems like their kids are putting away imaginative play a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like when I was 12, I was still – like it wasn't necessarily playing with dolls, but there was yeah. still a lot of like we would go out in the yard and we'd be like – not necessarily like you're the princess and we're mm-hmm. fighting dragons or something, but like, you know, like, like playing, house. playing house basically, yeah. you know, and that that went on for a lot longer. I agree also. with that.
0: I think it's definitely like, yeah, with the more technology, the you're exposed to so much more knowledge and information on, you know, yeah. Instagram. I was going to ask Kelsey not to get too off topic. Cause oh, I definitely want to explore this further, but like you have an Instagram account. Like, does your, do your parents like look at who you're following and if you were following something that might not be age appropriate, would they ask you to unfollow or is it just kind of unfettered access that you have on social media?
7: Oh, oh, so um, my parents uh, are really, they're okay with me having Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff as long as I am being completely safe on it. Like I've had experiences where I think I was looking at, my kind of stepsisters like following someone that she's following who's also following this one person and I followed him and he followed me but it was just this really creep and who was like I he's probably on drugs or something and I so I deleted Instagram for a little while but my parents really um they like to know what I'm looking at they want to know what I'm looking at um which is mainly why my mom uh, put that app on her phone where she can see what we are looking at.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. Like, Because my parents back in the day, they would just either make me give them the password. I mean, I didn't have Instagram until I was in college, so it's a little different. But, like, mm. um, like Facebook I had in, um, like, the beginning of high school, so I was still living with my parents, and they – they didn't ask me for the password, but they had other family members who had Facebook. And so I had to, like, if a family member added me, I had to add them. And yeah. they would, like, watch what I what I posted and stuff. And then every once in a while they would ask me, like, let me look through it and make sure you're not, like, talking to some, like, creep or whatever. So they had to, like, physically either take my phone and, like, snoop almost or, you know do that sort of thing and like same with the texting like there was no way for them to like monitor it unless they like took my phone so it's nice that they can Mm -hmm. do it in a way that's not like a direct affront to your like privacy and they can kind of do it on their own time and process it not right in front of you I think
1: that's a lot better (laughs) personally so fun fact Kelsey's mom got an email one day because she was looking at the camp adulthood website and it said that she was looking at explicit content (laughs) (laughs) I mean we do use some dirty words and stuff but I think
0: you know (laughs) definitely not like drugs and
1: bad stuff Drugs or rock and roll on here Yeah. yeah
7: um my mom also like um when I got my phone there I think there's a new feature on snapchat where you can see where your friends are and it's on a map and it shows you and my mom's like when you get your phone, you're getting Snapchat, you don't have to use it all the time, but um you there's a map and I'm going to be looking at where your phone is on that map. Yeah, so your so
0: mom
1: knows where they are at all times. That's
0: super interesting because I feel like most people's view of Snapchat is that it's for illicit things with younger kids, you know. Like we mm. all know the stereotypes about Snapchat, but the fact that parents are kind of being creative and using these tools for positive gains I think is really interesting do you feel like do you feel encumbered the fact that your mom knows where you are at all times is that like a good thing like does it make you feel safer or is it kind of
7: overwhelming sometimes um well I don't really have like a lot of feelings about it like I can understand that she'd want to use it to know where we are like um I think she also downloaded Instagram and Snapchat to like see what we're posting and see what we're sending to people and see what we are putting on there but I don't really have a lot of feelings about it because like I know that she wants to see what we're doing on there and make sure that we're being like safe on the internet
0: yeah it's very interesting I love this I feel like by the time my kids are there it's gonna be like I don't know I'm gonna have to be like inside their brains to know what's going on God, seriously it's gonna be like body snatchers
1: Oh Lord. what I think is really interesting is like you guys both talk about I mean, and clearly there was no internet. people didn't have home computers really until the mid eighties or later, you know so but now both of you do jobs that are you know, I think it's really interesting um and we can cut this out if you guys aren't comfortable talking about work, but I think Christian works um with Google advertising and Chris is an accountant uh very much. It kind of lead to right, technology <laughs> driven, mm-hmm. yeah, and with QuickBooks and Intuit, and so you're doing all this kind of real yeah. technology driven stuff. So, I guess, how do you was that a hard transition or was it something I don't um, think it was a transition? About? Because
6: if you think about it, so we graduated college in 1994, which literally is like the birth of the internet. I was yeah. when I was born. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, I think, I feel like we have grown up with along with the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and I always said, I wouldn't have become an accountant before computers because yeah, I was not, horrible. right? I know I wouldn't <laughs> I know have done the like big ledger people. And like, that, yeah. talk about it
0: and I'm like, I, No,
6: so at you know least that. I had spreadsheets in yeah. college that we had that technology because I think I'd never would have done yeah. it. So for me, it's been, it, and maybe it's just the way I'm wired. Like that's been the fun part for me is I'm always excited about the next technology. I'm always excited about the next thing to make the job. Better, yeah. faster, cheaper. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, we've said that on the podcast before yeah. that like Gen X and baby boomers are way more into technology than people. Oh, totally. Lead on,
6: totally. And do you? Like, my
0: parents are all about like finding out how to use like do things on their phone and like different apps and stuff. Like even more so than I am. Sometimes. So is the yeah, perception get...
6: that Gen X is not is into technology? Well, I think technology. the
0: perception is that millennials are so like wired into it in? and they're like the right. experts. But I don't think that's the case in a lot of situations.
1: I think especially. Among the ancient millennials, so that generation, you know, kind of people born in the 80s. There's, I mean, I literally will ask Kelsey before I will like Google something. Like, I'm like,
6: how do I do this on my phone? Kelsey, you fix it. Right. Because for, for that generation, for the yeah. iGen, it's like literally it's like, like literally in, their, programmed in yeah. their brain.
1: But I think, do you ever worry, I think as an accountant, that the technology could get so advanced that you would be out of a job? You is know, that something that's interesting.
6: There's definitely a discussion about that. Me personally, I welcome the technology that takes the drudgery away. I am very pro-robot as far as data entry and yeah. all this There's stuff.
0: There's no value add to have someone like... That's absolutely
6: there. my passion is as accountants, as thinking people, humans, I want to spend my time adding value and giving clients advice and not data entering stuff and checking and triple checking numbers that were data entered to and make sure that they're right. That. I want the robots to do more and more. So that's me personally. Um, I know, and I, I think it's within five years, um, a regular 1040 prepare like at the h&r blocks they're the ones who should be really worried i think because i think our tax returns are are going to be automated
0: and stuff like that you never
6: know all that's going to be be. automated but i'm i welcome it yeah Yeah. there's so much more fun stuff i'd rather do that i don't have time for because the technology is not where i want it to be
0: what about you christian with your line of work do you welcome change
8: oh of course i mean it allowed me to work from home for eight and a half years and to me that's a lot better than i'm
0: Jealous, yeah, that's a lot
8: better than working outside, going through traffic, and sweating for somebody else. You know, now I'm working out of the house, but for eight and a half years, it was nice to be successfully working in the house, and so because of technology, I was able to do that.
0: That is interesting. So, as parents of iGens, what has that been like?
6: I, You know, I was just lamenting the other day that I feel like I can never be in front of yeah. it. I'm always chasing the eight ball with, um, you know, because I've got a squirrely 15 year old who hopefully you guys will be talking to soon. He yeah. And he's smart. He's too smart for me with the technology because I try to put controls on things. I try to uh stay in front of it and i can't because his whole job is figuring out a way to get around my controls yeah. that i try to put on things where i have uh, it's yeah. a part of my life for him it's his whole life too but
1: i think what's really interesting about this is we look at it and we want to say the technology is is causing this huge difference and <coughs> it's like- Break, but how different is it necessarily from you figuring out how to like go out the no, window? No, absolutely, absolutely. To, you know, it's
6: his way of sneaking out the window, and mm-hmm. he doesn't physically sne- I don't think I, he might. I don't yeah. even know. So he's too way, loud it's to mess. sneak and out I'm the window to without to to us knowing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, and we've talked a little bit on the podcast about like overall trends with iGen compared to like Gen X and Boomers in particular, and in a lot of aspects. Like overall, as a generation, they're a lot safer. They do a lot less drugs. They're that is they're interesting a bit to me, to home. right? When I think
6: about what I was doing when I yeah. was fifteen, I do think he's safer yeah. than I was, right? But yeah, we don't agree with that. Of
0: like the technology and stuff like that is kind of right territory,
6: right? Yeah, so that's what I worry about. Um, yeah, so for the twelve-year-old, it's not as. Much right now, but it's starting to get there. I mean, I, what I worry about is I do see the addictiveness mm-hmm, of it yeah. and how they freak out when the technology is yeah. not available for yeah. a couple of days. That's what's concerning to me. I'm like,
8: her son, her have son headphones. paced like an animal around the house when his phone was taken away. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was almost scary to see like, that's what happens when you have technology okay. driven like a kids. Addict. Yeah. Like a heroin addict. He was pacing back and forth like somebody who needed a fix.
6: <laughs> okay, He's going to listen to this. I'll so just be nice.
8: I know. Well, oh, I love I love our kids. There are great things about the kids. Like, I'm surprised at how many, how you never hear about fist fights. Yeah, like,
6: no. My kids have never seen a schoolyard fight, which is weird oh to me. Oh, my God. It, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing to see a fight, but it's also kind of strange to me that the so, like, the bullying thing would, like,
8: the end quotes. In yeah, our, well, did thing.
1: you see that when you were in school, like, kids fighting physically? Well, I
0: didn't, I feel like being a girl, like, girls don't. Into this yeah. as much, but my brother definitely did. Okay, like my brother had like bullies and stuff, and even his friends. Like I remember, there was one time where like his, he and his friends were like goofing around, and like his friend accidentally like elbowed him in the face, and he like got a bloody nose, and the teacher saw, and she was like, they were fighting, and it ended up being this whole thing. And he was like, no, we were just like roughhousing. But then there were other times where like he just got like punched like straight in the face. I do think and this that, was in a similar community <clears throat> to like where right. So that I like, feel like
6: trivia. so much stuff that wasn't even paid attention to when we were kids now it's they're so oh, yeah. like scrutinized. Like they're so overly managed, and right? Tough,
8: like, and we used to have fights with circles of uh, like fifty students gathered <laughs> around watching two people beat, like beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> And I...
6: I think... I don't know. Well, obviously... I mean, I just think it's... It's the pendulum swung too far, maybe, and we just need to meet in the middle. I don't know that it was right how it was in the 70s that we were just, like, left to our own and nobody cared. And also, like, I was totally sexually harassed in high school and nobody cared. Like, I'm not about that. I, like, I'm glad that that kind of stuff hopefully has gotten reined in.
8: I was sexually harassed um, and I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) do you think that stuff
1: now just happens in a more insidious way? Like, I get nervous... I mean, I think your daughter. I mean, we've talked with Kelsey before, but she's so confident, and I feel like she's not the kid you have to worry about because she'll just be like. Meh. But I think so many girls are they just are they just getting that same harassment, but in a way where we can't see it as the adults. Yes.
6: I could totally see that. Yeah. And this social media thing, again, like I feel like I don't have visibility to so much of that. And especially like Snapchat is super insidious, I think for Mm -hmm. that, because I have zero visibility in any interactions that are going on there. Um, and Instagram too, like they can message on Instagram and I have no visibility to that. And I know some parents don't even allow any kind Mm -hmm. of apps like that, that they don't have access to. And so I guess, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth about that kind of stuff. because, And especially with a 15-year-old, it's like, I'm getting toward the... like. There's only so much things you can control at that phase of their life. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's really interesting, like, having, like, to your point, what you were talking about with, like, is the, like, harassment and stuff a little bit more insidious. It's going back to your point of, like, people are just trying harder to, like, get around the controls that Mm -hmm. are in place. But I definitely think kids, like, overall are safer from like a bodily harm perspective but maybe psychologically there's more different things yeah but I don't even know like what the latest I guess like snapchat and instagram I use that but I'm sure there are like newfangled things that like I
6: don't even know
1: well, that's thing. What is that one? The musically that was the big thing that was
6: right. So it's a cute thing. Yeah. So Kelsey does it, and she loves it. Could be a cute thing where they kind of lip sync to these different songs, and they make these little videos, and they can share. And it's like a YouTube. So it's mm-hmm. a, a social media thing. But yeah, there's some. Um, But then, so they'll make a cute video And some, like, bullying will take place After that, like the trolling that happens And I'm like, God, it's supposed to be just a dumb Stupid little karaoke thing Like, it's supposed to be just a fun thing that they do And it can turn into a A bullying situation
0: Hi, this clip is With Gigi And she is one of Shay's old co-workers And she gave us I think it's super timely now, given the political climate, but definitely interesting in and of itself, but uh, mostly talking about her struggle uh, immigrating to this country and being able to work even though she has a job, and people obviously want her to be here, and she's a productive member of society, and just, you know, her life in Turkey and her life here, um, I just thought she was so well-spoken and interesting. I
1: don't know if you have anything to add, Shay. Well, just to give a little update on um, if anyone was worried about her immigration status, because when we talked to her, she was in the process of applying for her green card. Um, She has not fully finished the process yet, but um, as far as I've heard, I should probably double fact check that with her. But uh, it is going well. She is still working hard and living her best life in New York City.
3: Awesome.
0: Well, that's good to
1: hear. Hopefully our Mm -hmm. listeners
0: will enjoy that as well. So enjoy this episode. Non-Muslim people, if you would ask them or things that – comments that you've gotten before that you wish <laughs> people didn't – people either knew about it or uh-huh. misconceptions that people ask you, you know,
2: um, if there's anything. The biggest thing is, oh, so, like, do you need to wear a hijab when you go back to Turkey? It's uh, like, oh, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's – I mean, which I understand and that, like, people don't have to know. It's yeah. just – um, I
0: feel like people have, especially Muslim women, uh-huh. they have a specific image in their mind Definitely. of the hijab or yeah.
2: that sort of thing. And I don't think I look necessarily like Muslim from outside. But mm-hmm. even when I when they're like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm Turkish. And they're yeah. like, oh, you're Muslim? Like, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, nothing really. But that headscarf is yeah. always – people ask that a lot. All the time. Yeah, And it's
0: not a big thing in Turkey. Um, and all or some people do it some people don't kind of thing
2: yeah it's like if you believe in it like yeah half of turkey i would say maybe maybe more than half mm-hmm. probably more than half <laughs> but no one in my family that yeah. i know of it's
0: well, not like some muslim countries it's like if you're a woman and you don't wear it yeah it's a problem where yeah. you're targeted or
2: yeah definitely. it's unsafe
0: kind of thing at least it's yeah no,
2: i think that's, that's really true that's
0: really
1: interesting. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I think people also don't know that there's, like, with the hijab, there's a range. I mean, it's, it's like, so many, many Jewish people just, you know, they cover their mm-hmm. hair, and but it's just a little, you know, kerchief. Yeah. But the same thing in Islam. It's anything where from just a little head covering mm-hmm. to the full, you know, yeah. burqa. And that's yeah. – it's a, it's a range. And it depends, right, on what type of Islam mm-hmm. you practice, correct?
2: Definitely. Or, so. like, where in the Middle East you're at. And mm-hmm. then there's always this thing, like, is Turkey Middle East or – like, oh, what do you even. think? Is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my grandma's from Syria, uh-huh. so I'm like, I wouldn't be offended if people were like, oh, you're Middle Eastern. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm a quarter Middle Eastern. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, I grew up in Istanbul. It was the most westernized city mm-hmm. in Turkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... And half of Turkey is in Asia; the other half is in like Europe. Yeah. So I don't know if it's necessarily Middle East, but yeah.
0: yeah when I think of Turkey, I think more Europe than yeah. Middle
1: East, personally. Yeah, it's very much a just location, but transitional spot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's
0: interesting. Have you been back to Turkey since you've left?
2: I have. I used to um, like twice a year in college, but I haven't been since i graduated so it's been a while i'll hopefully be able to go back soon (laughs) i feel like
0: there's a general sense at least i mean i'm from michigan Mm -hmm. so i grew up in the midwest and even friends here and stuff it's so you get kind of these little nuggets of what happens in turkey and Mm -hmm. you hear like it's all like flashy headlines like the migrant crisis (laughs) yeah the war and like all of this stuff and it's like i wonder because on on a much different level, like Detroit, I saw it growing up go from, uh-huh. you know, hitting rock bottom, literally going bankrupt to now it's kind of a hip and cool place to live and there's yeah. more jobs and stuff like that. And it's kind of on the rise. So I've I've seen in my lifetime kind of that shift. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you've seen a shift in some way in Turkey or if it's kind of always than what you remember it in your childhood
2: no it changed a lot (laughs) i especially see it more now because i go like every six months or i Mm -hmm. haven't been like in a year um i mean you definitely see the city change anyways but then you see people change like right now with old immigration you just like the whole like istanbul like the whole society just feels different like whenever i go back i'm like oh this is why i don't want to like live here anymore kind of a thing um and, yeah, I mean, I haven't been in a year, more than a year. It's been, like, almost two years now, I guess. Oh, wow. Um,
0: Do yeah. you hear from friends and family of, like, things that are happening or not so much?
2: <laughs> they're, like, they're mostly, like, just don't come back. They're, like, we miss you a lot, but there's nothing here. Yeah. Like, it's just going downhill from here. Um, so, yeah,
1: and all the travel ban and everything. I just didn't want to leave the country. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I think, obviously, we don't um, because that's private and we wouldn't want to do anything Mm -hmm. to jeopardize your (laughs) status. Um, but I think we can say, and we can cut this out later if you're not comfortable with it, but you are in the process of finalizing your immigration status. So that's really exciting. (laughs) Um, but it like, you know, I was before I left, Mm -hmm. before I left our job, (laughs) um, I was helping, we were looking into some of the various options and it just, It like broke my heart for you that here mm-hmm. you are, like you've gone to school here, you've worked mm-hmm. so hard, you have I a job know. at a very stable and growing and exciting company, yeah. and the fact that that
6: isn't
1: easy for you, it, it just it just blows my mind that like I t- to me it should just be like you take your pay stub in uh-huh. and our boss signs a letter that yeah. says we love you and you're hired <laughs> and they should be able to be like. Boom, green card. Um, <laughs> I wish. Wow. So the fact that – I don't know. So how, in general, has that process been for you, and what are some of the challenges?
2: I mean, I've been applying for a green card. Like, it's just a lottery thing mm-hmm. for the past, like, five years. And it's oh, like, wow. of course it's a lottery. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. what are the chances? Yeah. Of it? <laughs> it's <only> like, yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, the process has been – like, you were there, Shay. It, yeah. was, it was hard. It's just, do I get a work visa? Do I get an artist visa? Yeah. Um, or do I sign up for like another program here so I can get another F1 status, which is a student visa? Or like do I just leave the country and like all these things? Or like what do I do? So it's it's been really hard. I think it's um especially like being Muslim, I was also scared. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, if I apply for a work visa right now, on my Turkish ID it says I'm Muslim. Um, so I was like, would that be a problem? Like, is it gonna be harder now that like after the elections? Um, so yeah, but I figured it out. It's hopefully is the ultimate
0: goal to become a citizen, or are you kind of
2: no, Depends? no. I want to be able to vote in Turkey. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. actually, so I wouldn't want to become a citizen, but. Mm-hmm. I mean but be able
0: to work here and not have to worry about yeah, like that. yeah. yeah. Great, it's sure. yeah
2: it's hard it's like yeah. I need a visa for it everywhere in the world <laughs> so it'd be nice if I can just like be here and then like go back to Turkey whenever I want at mm-hmm. least like that's yeah. the goal which is yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask for <laughs> no yeah.
1: no I mean and I think and again and this is like something that I feel is really important about what we're doing here mm-hmm. is telling these stories is if, you know we want to put Everyone in the Islamic world is But like, you know, once you meet people and like I see your family and Mm -hmm. you're like that you can't go back until you get this green card and your grandma is like the sweetest person (laughs) on the planet. And like, you know, it breaks my heart that you can't just be like, you know, here you are again with this good job Mm -hmm. and you're doing great work and you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in this country between your (laughs) tuition and your rent and living in New York City. Like you should... You know, you've invested in the United States. Mm-hmm. You should be able to go home and see your freaking grandma without it being an issue, Deal. you know? Definitely. Um, so I guess kind of on the line of as a Muslim woman and mm-hmm. doing your immigration work mm-hmm. and all of that, um, have you experienced much discrimination or racism, uh, especially given that we're in kind of anti-Islam yeah. environment at the <laughs> moment in the United I States? Know. Um
2: it's – well, I was really scared that it said that I'm Muslim on my ID because, like, as I said, like, you can't really tell maybe mm-hmm. if you looked at me. Um, but I remember – I don't know if you remember that day when I had my doctor's appointment for the green card. Oh, yeah. Um, So that was kind of like a bad experience, I would say. It wasn't any discrimination or anything. It was just how people were treated. It was just like um, – I needed to get, like, all this test back, and it's just, like, all these tests that they shouldn't need for me to get a green card. It's – um that was a little awkward for me. I just felt, like, really bad it after the like, invasive.
1: talk about some of those – what the tests were.
2: Yeah, it was just, like, all these STD tests and yeah. everything. I was like, why do you guys yeah. need this? I'm yeah. just, like, I'm not – right. I, no, I didn't even know that, <laughs> that yeah. was a part of the process. I know. Apparently it's a new thing. I knew about,
1: like, tuberculosis and stuff. Yeah. I, sure mm-hmm. you're not...
2: I mean, that's yeah. fine. Also, I
1: also – you've been living here for six years, so yeah. if you have tuberculosis, you already gave it to everyone. I know. So. <laughs> it's like, why It's well documented, too, yeah. like,
0: when, you know, on your passport or whatever, mm-hmm.
1: like,
0: how many times you've actually left the country. It's not yeah. that many. Maybe twice a year you've gone yeah. back home or yeah. whatever, so.
2: So that was, like, that made me feel a little bad. And then yeah. I, ha- I have a lawyer right now, and he was like, oh, like, if you're a Muslim and if you're from Turkey, and I was like, oh, uh, of course that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mm- like,
1: if you were – from Spain, they would have just been like, oh, whatever. Hey,
0: campers. So this next clip is um, from one of my sorority sisters from college, Alana Rubin. Um, At the time that we recorded this, I guess there have been a lot of updates with our guests, which I didn't anticipate. Um, But at the time she was writing for Best Products. um, And we talked extensively in the clip that you'll hear about how she came out as pansexual while in a relationship with a, straight man in Teen Vogue that got a lot of internet traction, and Ruby Rose retweeted it. It was a big thing. Um, So that's kind of how she got her start, but she is now writing for Elite Daily, and I've actually been interviewed by her for some of her articles, and they're really great and insightful. I definitely recommend checking her out, Alana Rubin, on Elite Daily. Um, She writes mostly about dating and relationships, and she also wrote a really (laughs) great piece of investigative journalism on Ashley and Jared from The Bachelor, which I was like, wow, this is amazing. She really dug deep into the internet and found some gems. So that was a more recent piece she did. Um, She also wrote a recent piece about Harry Styles during Pride. So that I found really interesting. Um, What were your impressions of this episode, Shay?
1: Well, I was, as I say, kind of in the clip, um, and I just want to underscore here, um, I think Alana and it's really due, you know, to give her due credit as a journalist, I really can't wait to see what she does because she is one of the few writers and speakers that I've listened to that is really, who who's really made me reevaluate kind of my own, not my own stance on a subject, but my own kind of like gut feelings about something. So I would highly recommend listening to her episode and reading her work.
0: Yes, definitely. We wanted to first talk to you about, so you've been a writer for a while like you were writing in college and stuff Mm -hmm. but you had a piece in Teen Vogue that kind of I don't know if you would say it like went viral I don't know what the definition of that is (laughs) I wouldn't say that (laughs) it got it got a lot of press and like you know famous people read it and were like retweeting it and stuff and um you know it was about like a very personal experience so I was hoping Mm -hmm. for we'll link to the article and stuff on the website so people can read it but um I guess if you could kind of go through like what um, kind of the catalyst was for that article mm-hmm. and how it's kind of been since it's been published. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go more into like the headline stuff, I think that'd be super
4: interesting too. Sure. So, do you mean like how I got published there, or like the like actual writing content? The story. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and the content too. The for content. our readers or
1: listeners who haven't read it, it'd be nice to have a short synopsis.
4: Sure. So I basically realized that I wasn't straight in like college and I basically came out, so to speak. I don't know. I feel like that term is so weird because it's just so like fluid to me. I don't know. But basically, it was just something that was like part of who I was and I didn't really tell people until senior year of college, but I realized sophomore year. And basically, I didn't really vocalize it to like everyone until right after the election um, because I just felt it was an important time to like be vocal about myself and to show people who felt like I did that you know you could be a queer out person and just be like completely okay with yourself and normal and yeah because I growing up I didn't know anyone who was pansexual I didn't even know that was a thing until like freshman year of college can you
0: define what pansexuality is because I feel like (laughs) we have a lot of listeners like all over the country and especially uh-huh. a lot of like baby boomer listeners who uh-huh. might not know what it is. Sure, you can,
1: give us a and can you, in that definition talk about how pansexual is different from bisexual?
4: Sure. It is. Yeah. Okay. That's a fun thing. Okay. So yeah. pansexual <laughs> to me basically is I'm attracted to people like for who they are not restricted by their gender. So, you know, however you identify like man, woman, non-binary, um, Whatever, Like, I don't really feel attraction to one specific gender or two specific genders, but just, like, anyone. Um, So it's not really gender-based. It's more, like, their aura. And I know this sounds really earthy-crunchy, but, like, that's what it is.
0: But, like, bisexuality is, like, you're attracted to men or women, but pansexuality includes, like, people on the non- binary spectrum
4: and like not necessarily not necessarily so educate me (laughs) so I'm definitely not an expert on the topic but um most people would say that um pansexuality like falls under the bisexuality umbrella so bisexual um traditionally from how it was known it was you were attracted to men and women but now it's more so that like it's your gender quote-unquote and another gender
2: um
4: but or your gender and a different gender um but pansexual being that it's like everyone it's sort of like under that umbrella but um i just like using the term pan because i feel like it describes me more but Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of overlap between bisexuality and pansexuality and uh, people use them kind of interchangeably because of bisexuality just being more recognizable but um pansexual i think is more specific that people use um for their own attraction that they feel
0: That's great. Yeah. So (laughs) going back to the article, so you wrote an article about your experience kind of coming out as a pansexual person.
4: Yeah, and just like how I got there and – I don't know I feel like it was interesting growing up not really having that representation and I felt like Teen Vogue was a really good publication to have this article written in because if I was like 12 or 13 maybe I would have realized I was pan much earlier than I did and even knowing it it was a thing would have been great to know when I was a teen or a younger teen Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I really liked writing that article specifically for Teen Vogue, and I just liked kind of writing the whole experience down. Um, also, the fact that I was in a relationship with like a cisgender guy, straight guy at the time, mm-hmm. um, while I was kind of discovering all this, just add another layer of um, complication I guess because it's like confusing to recognize that you feel attraction to other people and not every couple is comfortable like talking about that or even recognizing that Um, so that was like another thing that like I was struggling with like how to say this to him without hurting his feelings and whatever so I talked about that also in the article which they kind of used as the headline as an attention grabber like I realized I was pansexual was in a heterosexual relationship which no because like I'm always pan no matter what relationship I'm in but it was
0: never because you've always been pansexual so Mm -hmm. it was never yeah like a heterosexual relationship maybe it was like heteronormative I think
4: would have been more accurate yeah or or just like a maybe a straight seeming relationship like appearing but um yeah that was fun (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yeah
1: so what, I mean, I... go oh. ahead, Shay. No, no, I mean, I have a comment more than a question. I mean, I think sure. for me, it was really interesting reading this because I don't, you know, certainly when I was in college, again, this was just 10 years ago, but we are just starting to people, you know, people were out as gay or bi, mm-hmm. which was a big thing in and of itself. So it was really interesting just to read it from that perspective, because I feel you know, when I tend to feel quote unquote old, I I get really overwhelmed by all of these ways that people can identify mm-hmm. now. And I, I don't mean that in like a, I feel like when I say that it sounds like I'm really homophobic or like I have a problem with it, which I literally could not have less of a, I'm like, you do you and I mm-hmm. support that a thousand percent. Um, but I think it's a lot for, let's say, people who are maybe ancient millennial and older to sometimes wrap their head around and I know it gets even and I feel like I'm a person who I can understand it um logically and I can understand it intellectually but sometimes I have a hard time I guess digging in emotionally I, I, I don't even think emotionally is the right word mm-hmm. but um like understanding it um completely yeah. no
4: um, I, f- I feel a lot of I've gotten that feedback from a lot of people who yeah like even people that are like younger than me or my age, like, they just, like, don't get it. And I'm kind of just like, it's just how I feel. Like, I don't really. But exactly. And well, and what I was
1: going to say, what I really loved about your article, it was the first thing that I'd read where I finally was like, not like, oh, I suddenly get it. And the light bulb went on. But I really started to understand that process Mm -hmm. of, you know, come, you know, as you said, quote, unquote, coming out and identifying in this way. But also, it made me reevaluate, um, not only my own relationships with both men and women and, um, other it. So I, I don't know, I, that was really interesting. It also made me look at relationships that as someone who studied literature, um, you know, especially in, for example, the Victorian times, you get so many of that, you know, heterosexual quote unquote women who are Mm -hmm. having these really intense relationships with other women. And, they didn't have a way to identify that or talk about that. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting. And I'm also a person who has had and will continue to have, you know, really intense relationships with women that aren't necessarily sexual, mm-hmm. but are they necessarily just friendships? So it really mm-hmm. made me kind of reevaluate all of those things. So I was really, you know, excited to have that kind of jumping off point for that really very inarticulately explained thought process. (laughs) No, you're fine.
4: I mean, like even adding on to that with the millions of ways to identify yourself, like I identify myself as pansexual, but there are also even further ways to describe your attractions like sexual, romantic, like you can be um, heteromantic and bisexual, which would mean that you have like attraction to a different gender. but. Um, a or a romantic attraction to a different gender, but a romantic attraction to like your same gender. But I don't really use that um, labeling. But there's even like ways to get more specific, so mm-hmm. people could be like biromantic or things like that. But I just say I'm pan because I'm just like if it happens, it happens.
1: So this is definitely I could say both one of uh, Maddie's and mine um, our favorite episodes, and also a crowd favorite. And uh, we speak here with um, my dear friend Terrence, and he tells a really wonderful and interesting story um, about growing up Mormon, what it was like to leave the Mormon church, and then uh, what it was like to be a young gay man in New York City. So um, great episode, and this clip really kind of gets to the heart of his story.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great synopsis to echo what you just said, like, I loved this episode. It was so fun to, like, have him here. I'm sad you weren't here in person to hang out with us, because it was super fun. He's, he's so fun. Um, But, yeah, it was just very insightful, and the way that he spoke about his past in, you know, not having any malice, and it seemed like he was in a really good place about it, which I think was very powerful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really glad that the listeners really responded to it. I got a lot of good feedback about it, and obviously, you know... The numbers speak for themselves definitely compared to our usual listenership. You know, he brought people in and people were sharing in that's really great. So I hope by listening to this clip, more people go back. And that is episode 34 with Terrence. If you are looking to listen to the full thing.
1: Mm-hmm. He also gives some great uh, design tips for your home. Oh, yes. So, the pictures at, at the eye portrait. level. I have thought of that it, many it a really times. It really has changed the whole way I've decorated my yeah. house.
5: Parents are Mormon. I was raised completely Mormon and was very involved in the religion until junior year of high school. And then I abruptly left. Um, It was after Prop 8. I was really upset Mm -hmm. and bothered by that before I'd even discovered my sexuality and um, left my junior year. Um,
0: What does it mean to leave? Were you just like, I'm not going anymore
5: uh, no I wish it was that easy <laughs> Mormonism uh, is incredibly involved yeah um, there's four hours of church every Sunday my god four hours four oh, hours crazy. every Monday you have an hour with your individual family every Tuesday or Wednesday you have an hour with your age group depending on your gender and age so it's it's very yeah, involved so very involved. leaving Mormonism is not easy especially my family and mm-hmm. my parents are very devout yeah um,
1: and that's your whole community. I mean your friends, right? Everything. Yeah. No, the entire is state the is like
5: yeah. <laughs> 90% Mormon. So it's okay. literally like the people at your bank, at your grocery store, mm-hmm. at your home, at your school, public school, doesn't matter.
0: Yeah.
5: Everyone's mm-hmm. Mormon. You know who the non-Mormons are. Yeah. That's how yeah. Mormon the entire state is. Um you know, so Religion really wasn't working for me on multiple mm-hmm. levels, not just a sexual yeah. level, but a lot of different issues. Mm-hmm. And I left, um, took me a, a year, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I finally just did it. And then I formally left, um, after that, which was a very difficult process as well. Like, like getting my records removed and like the ceremonies oh, wow. reversed took over a year. Wow. Um,
1: so they make the... you publicly in front of the community, like no, re- remove yourself from your faith.
5: Oh my God. That sounds so sorry. Uh, handmaiden's tale, yeah. which is pretty, It's there's a lot of similarities. It sounds no, like
1: you just wanted it
0: to not. Like, I did just, just didn't identify remove... with it yeah. anymore. So it was yeah. like, I wasn't and a part of them.
5: Right. A lot of people just don't go to the trouble because it is mm-hmm. really laborious. But I felt really strongly about it. Um, they're a very number-oriented religion, and it just wasn't it wasn't my path. Yeah. And I felt really but it strongly seems about like that.
1: You still have respect for it, even I though have no, no, absolutely, and all that, yeah,
5: yeah, no, like you know, it makes a lot of people very happy. It completes them, and it, you know causes them to do really great and wonderful things they wouldn't otherwise and I have a lot of close dear friends and family members that are still Mormon and I have a lot of respect for my upbringing I mm-hmm. wouldn't change it Yeah I wouldn't change it Yeah Um But yeah it's they do make it quite you know because they're motivated they yeah. think what they're doing is a really good thing and it is for some people but they make it very difficult to leave and I shay to answer your question I could have left really easily I could have easily gone into a bishop and been like hey I've I'm made not out or anymore. had sex with a guy. And then yeah. immediately I would have been excommunicated in a yeah. very public manner.
1: Oh, my God.
5: But I didn't want that to happen mostly for my own respect, mm-hmm. self-respect, but also for my parents. Yeah. Because they're pretty yeah. visible or uh, they're high up in the yeah. community. So yeah. I was like, I didn't want that to go down and I didn't want to, you know, burn bridges. Yeah. So I yeah, wanted to leave sense. on my own terms. But that... Mm-hmm was it's very difficult work. yeah it was incredibly yeah. difficult and very time consuming and very emotionally draining so I left formally second year of college um and then move wanted always wanted to move to New York never really verbalized that that was my dream because all the people I went to high school with said they wanted to go to New York and no one did yeah so I didn't want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know why it's always been my dream, but it has been. And I've always been drawn to the city in general, even though I'd never even been. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, went to college and was like, I could have gone right after high school. And then I was like, no, I don't want to, like, crash and burn and not have an income. Like, I want to have a cheap state school degree under my belt and maybe be able to last a little bit longer Mm -hmm. than if I just go and thank God. Like, literally thank God that (laughs) happened. Um. So yeah, I moved to the city and it was, I thought I was so (laughs) cocky and uh, arrogant and, you know, just thought I could like own the city. And all of us know that like New York City throws you on your Mm -hmm. ass and shows you your true self and really challenges you more than anything. And that was my experience too, is like, it was really confident had a lot of friends here, but it was like the most difficult, challenging year of my entire life ever, hands down. Mm-hmm. Harder than coming out, harder than leaving Mormonism. Like nothing compares to like that first year of like growth and like, I mean, you know, yeah, grew up Mormon, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Harry Potter was banned. Oh, Will and Grace oh, was banned. No. Like, I wanted
0: to ask you, like, you. It sounds like you have a relationship with your parents now. Is that like a long time coming, or have they always kind of been supportive of? the life that you live now in New York and everything?
5: Um, my, it, it, It's a difficult layered answer, but, you know, my parents are incredibly good people and I have an immense amount of respect for them and I love them dearly. When I came out, my parents were doing the best they could. Yeah. Like, they yeah. didn't handle it. They didn't handle it as badly as I had imagined they would handle it. But it also completely changed our relationship one hundred percent. For five years, it was really difficult. Um, they were kind of wrapping their heads around it mm-hmm. and figuring out where I fit in with their religion and their lifestyle. And I was, you know, kind of like finger to the world, yeah. Just <laughs> You're like kind of doing your own thing. Yeah, I'm doing me now. Yeah. Um. So I think we've come a long way. I think that there was a lot of well, that's growth. Cool and like, change. And I think that that was incredibly hard for everyone involved. But I do feel like now we're at a really healthy place where there's like mutual respect. And we know that we don't, we literally don't agree on politics, (laughs) religion, lifestyle. Like, my parents and I could not be more opposite individuals, if you tried. Right. But I think that we have learned to celebrate our similarities and the things we see eye to eye on. And At the end of the day, Dave and Teresa, my parents, are, (laughs) um, you know, they're incredible. I think that they're really inspiring and they're insanely good people. And I think they're really special. And it's like, who, you know, they think similar things about me. So it's like,
1: who cares if we vote the same
5: way or like, yeah. We dress the same way or we think the same way. Like we have that connection and like they created me. Like mm-hmm. how could we not have some yeah. sort of bond? Yeah. Totally.
1: Um, I think, Terrence, I just, I wanted to make a comment on your kind of story of self growth once you reached New York. Um, so I guess you started working at Bachman's pretty quickly after you arrived, I
5: right? I kind of stumbled across Bachman after I'd been here a while. I was like... Okay interning and then freelancing and kind of just, like, honestly hustling. Like, I moved to the city with, like, very little money. Um, Friends were helping me out. Like, I was crashing at people's places. But, like, I wanted to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, like, very determined. So I could have asked – oh, I'm not even answering your question. Well, I I found I found (laughs) him – I found him, like, I'd been in the city at that point An entire summer and then I met him in the fall When I like I my employment had ended Unexpectedly and It was just like oh shit like I gotta Make money and like I met him that way so I met him After I'd been here a minute Yeah Mm -hmm.
1: well I guess I just um, You know it was really Fun meeting you when you First came on the team um, And our so our bosses (laughs) were working together Very closely at the time but One of my favorite, I mean, Terrence, you're going to call me a dork for saying this, but I I loved watching you kind of grow up over,
6: I guess, almost four (laughs)
1: years. I mean, you were just still so young and so fresh. And I think, you know, we could see some of that struggle. And now whenever, you know, before I left New York and now when we communicate and whatever, I'm always like, Terrence, I'm just so happy for you. No, you're just You've come into your own and um, you just, and it's not even, it, there's just this like wonderful kind of piece about you and I'm so happy for you. But I just, I think, you know, we talk a lot about millennials, obviously on this podcast and how we're, people don't have patience with us. And I right. think it's a good reminder, you know, people are growing and changing in this kind of post adolescence that we're mm. all. Going through can be a tough time. So, you know, have patience with people and let them have that growth because it's really incredible for them and for the people they choose to have in their life. Hey campers. Uh this next clip
0: uh is with Sarah Shecker, previously mentioned as the official camp adulthood photographer. Um hey, Sarah. She is super talented. If you Google Sarah Shecker photography or look it up on Instagram. Um Uh, She's still in college, and I think I've known her since freshman year, and I think she's really come into her own with her eye for photography, and I've seen over the past three years just how far she's come as a casual observer to her artwork, so definitely check that out, Um, but I thought, I'm sad, Shay wasn't a part of this one, but it was a really (laughs) good come, I know, I'm sad, I'm always sad when I have to do them alone, I'm like, where's my, where's my anchor, Um, but I thought this was really good. The clip that we chose was about her final thesis project of photo- photographing. Wow, I can photographing. I can speak. You can English. English photographing. Um, photographing. Photographing. Um, lone soldiers in Israel, which are people that were not born in Israel, who are not Israeli citizens, um, who might live in America or Europe or anywhere, really, who go to Israel, and they don't have any immediate family that live there, thus the lone soldier thing, and they join the Israeli army um, for a variety of reasons, which we go into in the clip. Um, But I just thought it was so unique, and I think Sarah, you know, if you follow her on social media, or if you know her in her personal life, she just has such a, a great perspective, and I know it's such a fraught issue right now, what's going on in Israel, but I think she really, you know, has a great mindset about it and really tries to educate people and I don't want to say debate but converse with people that might think differently from her and really come at it from a good place and earlier I don't think we chose this for the clip but earlier in the episode she talks about her uh time in Cuba which I wasn't planning on spending that much time on when I was interviewing her but it was just so fascinating um having that inside look and on her website and everything she has a ton of photography from Cuba which I think that's probably if I had to pick my favorite thing that she's ever worked on
1: is that. So yeah. Awesome. Um, here we go. Great.
0: How did You even set this trip up because this is for your se- senior thesis. Yes. Um, did you, I know you've been to Israel before, so did you kind of leverage contacts from there? Did NYU kind of help you find these people, or did you just kind of show up and you were like just talking to people that you met there? How did it kind of work?
9: Yeah, so I've been to Israel three times before, which is really nice. I'm fluent in Hebrew because I went to... Lahiam, <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> I went to Israel um, three times before, uh, once with my family, once on a trip to Poland and Israel, and then once on your typical birthright trip. Shout out to former uh, Camp Adulthood podcast uh, guest, Alana Rubin. She was on my trip. Oh, fun. Yes. Shout out. Uh, so I, I know the culture. I know the place. I know the language, which is really great. Um, all the people I met up with, uh, except for one, I like knew in some capacity. Uh, one girl was on one of the previous trips I was on and then decided to join the army. Another one was my Roommate from summer 2016's cousin, and he stayed on her floor for, like, a week in the summer, and I met up with him. And then another is, like, family, like, the Jewish web of family friends (laughs) from Washington, from where I'm from. So it was really easy to piece together these people to meet up with.
0: Cool. So when you went, um, and I think, you know, particularly for the context of this podcast, Millennials Living Abroad what did you kind of see? I think, you know, even we've talked to like, Corey's been on the podcast, he served in the U S and I think it is a very different culture when it's volunteer versus the draft, even if you are a volunteer in Israel, yeah. just the fact that like everyone that lives there has a context for it and it's very relevant to everyone's day to day. How did you feel like these people being put in kind of, you know, what I would as a, you know, weenie civilian (laughs) would think of these very stressful situations and having to take on so much responsibility as such a young person. Like we were talking about before we were on mic of like, you know, you were joking that like a lot of the Israeli army is driven by like (laughs) these young, like teenage girls who are like commanding people from like the command centers. It's like, you know, when I think back to like me at 18, like I, that seems very stressful. Absolutely. Um... Yeah.
9: Every what was really fascinating was everyone I met with, like had something going on. Um, like one of the one girl I was meeting with, she was trying to get. Uh, well, first of all, lone soldiers are treated at, like this almost like higher level because it is a draft and these people are yeah. coming voluntarily. And it's hard to like move from a different
0: country. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, pick up your life. Yeah. But
9: so they are treated with the most like respect, like the Israelis absolutely support them in every way shape and
0: form they possibly could they well they're kind of the ultimate form of like zionism in a way would you agree with that like yeah that's kind of the model of like you know things like the birthright trip of like trying to expose other people for that would never have gone to israel to israel it's like i'm sure a lot of the lone soldiers were influenced by that type of thing, like, yeah. either the media or traveling to Israel as a kid and being like, oh my gosh, this is where I belong, yeah. like, I need to be here.
9: I mean, it is the ultimate, almost, because they are, like, mm-hmm. making that pilgrimage, I'll call it. Yeah. But it, I wouldn't say it's the norm. It's not a right. large yeah, they're definitely the minority. Definitely a minority. Um, but so the Israelis support them every way, shape, and form they possibly can. So... But, like, one girl I was meeting with, she was trying to get what's called her, like, miyujeret, her special, um, special time off. Every lone soldier gets a month off to go back to, like, America and, like, see their family. Because it's not like when you're joining the American Army and you deploy to somewhere in the Middle East, you're gone for nine months. Like, these people go home, like, every weekend or every other weekend or a a lot. So they get to see their family, and these lone soldiers don't really have that.
0: Well, it's interesting to think about, like... I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but Mm -hmm. my perspective, like, the majority of the reason why the Israeli army exists is because the conflict is so close to home. It's not, like, they do deploy and, like, train overseas, but, like, the conflict is at home, which is so different, I think, from the American perspective. Like, what it's like in, I feel like when I think about, like, wartime America, it's like you think about some, like, old-timey, like, grainy footage of, like... You know, I don't even know, like, the like World War II, I guess, like, Pearl Harbor or something. Yeah. Like, like, even World War II was, like, very removed from, like, yeah. the actual land of, like, America for a lot of people. Sure. Um, so it seems like a very old-timey sort of, like, quaint concept of, like, defending your home. I mean, obviously, that is a very American-centric perspective because yeah. people in, you know, Japan and Europe, it's the opposite for them. But... It's interesting to me with all the technology and stuff, like, being able to stay connected with family, but still having this, like, very rudimentary, like, warrior culture of, like, we're defending the homeland, basically. Yeah. And I think there's no stronger place to demonstrate that than Israel.
9: Yeah, like, I was on uh, the border of Gaza. One of the girls lives on a, what's called a kibbutz, like a community um, there, and literally it's, like, the last town on the border.
2: Yeah.
9: Um, I was there, and, uh, everywhere you look, there's, uh, bomb shelters. Because if you hear the siren and you're at that kibbutz, at that town... Mm-hmm. You have 15 seconds to get to it. If there's a Tseva or Code Red, mm-hmm. 15 seconds to run for your life. And- Which
0: is crazy. Like, who can make that? Like, <laughs> like no one. Don't have- At that like- point, I'm just like, whatever, take me if it's my time. Like, yeah. <laughs> like how can you even? That's all so All of the bus
9: stops, yeah. bomb shelters. This girl's bedroom is a bomb shelter. That's crazy. You can't even fathom yeah. that in, like, America. Like, can you imagine no. having no, bomb like, shelters That's like Britain in World War II. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's why it's... It's interesting that as a world we've come so far, but yet these very, these things that you think we got over like generations ago are still there. Yeah, for a lot absolutely. of people.
9: Absolutely. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, what's really fascinating? This is a army run by eighteen to we'll call it twenty four year olds. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, do they because everyone has to serve, so they always have like a new crop of like young people. Yeah i'm I'm sure there are people that make a career out of being in the yeah, military for sure, so there has to be some like chain of command, yes, but when it's like a volunteer, like the American military, there's a high pressure on like, okay, we're training you, like reenlistments and like staying more than like the four years of like the typical um contract or whatever like. Is it, did you feel like it was that same way? Like, do you think these lone soldiers, maybe because they made more of a choice and they weren't just, like, a drafty or whatever, mm-hmm. do you think some of them are going to stay past no. the minimum time? No. Yeah. <laughs> they
9: can't wait to get out. They...
0: I'm sure it's a tough life. Yeah.
9: They do it because it's, like,
0: really... Like, well, it's a part of, like, living there. Yeah. It's, like, it's, part of the culture. Exactly.
9: It's the only way to truly integrate into the culture, integrate into the society. There's no other way to really be that, quote, full Israeli if you, like, haven't served in the army. There's so much... I've learned so much about all the different units. Like, each person I met with was in a different unit, which was so cool. Um, One girl, the one that lives on the border of Gaza, is in artillery. Um, Another one is in tanks unit, and he... um, His sector is, like, the Gaza border. Um, The girl I met with, she's in, like, education of, like different units and then uh another one I met with was an air force commander. So, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Do you think and this is something again Sarah and I've talked about this off mic. I'm coming from like an extreme place of ignorance with this and Sarah <laughs> has done a lot to educate me over the last like 24 hours which is great. The internet is a great place. Um but I just like thinking about like the conflict and also like the culture of Israel, like mm-hmm. it's a deeply religious place. Like there are obviously like what you would consider like more secular Jews that live there all the way up to like I don't know what's the most the deeply tremendous.
9: the Haredes. I don't even know what the
0: that is. Uh, that's like you, you you go deep into <laughs> those brook- like Hasidic yeah, ultra kind Orthodox. Of ultra, ultra,
9: ultra. They call them Haredes. Um And they yeah. have
0: they exist in the US as well, or are they kind yeah. of in Israeli? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll
9: they'll exist. Those are like Deep Brooklyn, yeah. like, Crown Heights, like, those Jews. Those are the Haredes. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so you have people that are, like, you know, secular all the way to the Haredes. Like, are there people, I don't know enough about Judaism, like, is there a conflict between, like, serving in the army and being deeply religious well great question maddie so <laughs>
9: <laughs> none of the ultra orthodox actually will serve oh in the Army. interesting see
0: i didn't know that yeah
9: they because they can't because they can't
0: work right, on saturday i was gonna or say the holidays. electronics and things yeah and absolutely being in vehicles
9: so they get out of it which is kind of ironic just for right. a lot of <laughs> multitude
0: of reasons right um and even not super like orthodox even like you know like orthodox so, just anyone that celebrate or not celebrates but like observes the sabbath so yeah so can you still serve or yes, yeah, no? yeah
9: for sure yeah. so there's in israel it's not like america where you'll have like reform conservative orthodox yeah. there really is like it's like religious or not religious in, okay. in Israel, there's no they think conservative is a load of bull, like, they, there's no conservative synagogues in it. There's like a few. So, if you're
0: like a ref- like an American style, like, reformed Jew, would you're you be basically
9: con- secular? Okay,
0: <laughs> got it. So, it's kind of a different scale, yeah, def- got definitely, definitely okay. a
9: different scale. Um, but one of the soldiers, uh, my friend's cousin, he's he considered he's religious, he lives on a religious kibbutz keeps shabbat and sometimes he's on base during holidays and during shabbat and he just does the minimum level like he won't be just checking right. his phone but he'll if he has to get his gun out he'll do it because yeah it's for protection That's what you're doing it's what, yeah
0: what his job is so they but can they're really al- ultra orthodox religious people not at all don't, don't serve, serve. No. interesting how do you do you how do you think that affects israeli culture like do you think there's a divide there or do you think that it's more so like the army kind of feels like they're protecting these people that can't protect themselves so that they can kind of propagate the religion because that's kind of what it's based on i don't know or do you not really see it like as someone that's traveled there you don't really see the divide
9: i feel like i i mean when i go i don't really interact with these ultra orthodox people at all yeah like, i went and i walked through the most orthodox neighborhood um I'll have to send you the picture of the sign they have in front of it. It's called Masharim. It's in Jerusalem. And there's a sign, like, dress modestly. Like, don't, like, walk through here in any yeah. modest clothing.
0: So Were you I, dressed modestly or no?
9: I wore jeans and a t-shirt.
0: I mean, that's not, like, you know, shorts. <laughs> I was getting some looks, yeah. Maddie. I mean, if you, you're some not wearing a skirt and your hair, hair, they cover their hair, too, right? Or no? The married the women, woman, yeah. Yeah.
9: But I was getting some looks. I am unmarried. Yeah, that is correct. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I I don't really know as much about like that divide per se Mm -hmm. because I've been focusing so much on the soldiers themselves.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. Definitely have to look about it. For me, yeah, because I I have this vision of Israel. I've never been there, obviously. Um, Let's go. But I think
9: I would love to go.
0: All right, Cambers,
1: thank you so much for joining us for our special anniversary episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if any of these clips have, you know, gotten you excited, please go back and listen to the full episode and all of our backlog. And you can also comment to us on the following channels.
0: Yes, you can email us at hello at campadulthood.com. We love getting emails and we read them in the episodes and we love them. Uh, we're we're then you get swag. Yes we're on twitter and instagram at camp underscore adulthood um we also have a facebook page facebook.com slash camp adulthood um we have the patreon that's still up if you want t-shirts and whatnot if this episode has inspired you check that out um all the links are on the website and everything the website is campadulthood.com. um and i just want to thank because i don't think we did it before formally but thanking all of the listeners especially those that consistently listen every week and are there to support us and give us feedback. And even if you're a new listener, that's okay. You're just joining the party. It's totally cool. Thanks. Um, it's fun party. But there's definitely a core group of you, I think, that have been there from the beginning. And, you know, I like to think as someone who has a lot of creative friends, you know, you wouldn't have listened to 50 episodes of something unless you found something in it outside of just you like us yeah. <laughs> or you're, you know, a Mother Teresa person. So that means a lot that you've found um, –
1: a voice in us or something interesting to keep coming back to every week. So thank you for that. Seriously, thank you guys. It really means a lot to us and it allows us to keep keep doing this as a passion project. Um, and for all our friends out there who aren't listening, screw you, we're writing your names in a notebook and we're going to come get you.
0: Just a burn keep. book. A burn No, book. hopefully we will have
1: converted them through all of our yes. delightfully crafted social media posts.
0: All of our delightful. <laughs> and in-person interactions. Exactly.
1: Yay! All right. All right, thank you guys. We love you so so much. And here's to more conversations. Yay! Yay! See you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood
0: is hosted by Maddie Yerge Resident Youth, and Shay Keats Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page, where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.